Welcome to this special edition of the Test Studio Times podcast on the Test Studio Times podcast network. We're going to be talking Maryland women's hoops here in the Sweet 16. I'm Ben Dixon alongside Ian Decker and Damon Brooks Jr. The women's basketball beat. How are we doing, guys? Doing well, thanks. Happy to be here. Doing well, man. Looking forward to the game tonight. It's going to be a big one. It's going to be a good one. So I'm looking forward to it. Yes, sir. So uh, we'll start off before we get to tonight's game, kind of recapping the first two rounds, um, what Maryland did so well about from, against both Delaware and FGCU. Excuse me. What were your guys' main takeaways? Uh, Ian, we can start with you. Yeah, I, I mean, I just think it, it shows how good this team can be when, when they're hitting their shots, when they're moving the ball, and when they're healthy. You know, a lot of the – obviously, they had one of the toughest schedules in the country this year. Um, but a lot of those, a lot of those games, which unfortunately were losses came when, when the team was not fully healthy, right. And they didn't have their legs under them. And so I think the biggest takeaway for, for me from the first two games is just kind of how well this team can play when they're healthy. And that really excites me. You know, I mean, Ashley Wusu looks like she's, she's, you know, kind of back in form as does diamond Miller, um, you know, Katie Benson has been knocking down shots. Angel Reese is always going to give you something in the paint. So for me, the first two rounds just show kind of the, 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 the rust has been knocked off. You know, obviously they had, they really struggled in the big 10 tournament and had a couple losses this season that, you know, you looked at and the, the points, the, they just weren't scoring that much, but first two rounds, the NCAA tournament, um, you know, they, they were just firing on all c- cylinders. And I think a big reason for that is the, is the health and just, just having their legs under them. Yeah, to, Can't argue off, there. Yep. Yeah, to go off Ann's point, I mean, I just think that, you know, they finally got back to what they know and what, you know, what most thought they were going to be during the season. A team loaded with experience, you know, can play multiple ways, can play in transition, can, you know, they could, they could play multiple styles. But what I took away from, you know, from those first two games was Ashley Owusu. You know, she finally got back to her health. She got kind of got back to her, herself being crafty, being creative with the basketball. And I felt like when she's when she's clicking and she's able to get her offense going and able to generate points, the Terps are hard out. And, you know, I think that they're going to need her versus Stanford because I believe she had 30 points last game, 50 or from the field. She had an outstanding game. She's going to need to resemble that, you know, performance in order to, you know, squeak out the winner and advance to Elite Eight. Yeah, I can't agree with both of you more. Ian's point on the health especially. I mean, Angel Reese has been saying – a healthy Maryland is a dangerous Maryland, and without a doubt, we saw it in those first two games. And, Damon, your point about Ashley, it's kind of not only her, but her and Diamond together just meshing together in that backcourt, playing, you know, their best basketball at the right time of the season. Both of them are, were uh, Team USA basketball players this past summer for good reason, and, and we're, we're definitely starting to see it now. Um, just just still touching on, on those two games a little bit. It's not like they beat up on some, you know, karate, like bad teams like Delaware – CAA champions, obviously your typical mid-major, but they still have Jasmine Dickey, who's, you know, one of the best players in the country. I think she finished averaging 25 a game. And then FGCU, Kirsten Bell is going to be a top 10 pick in the uh, WNBA draft. They didn't really let her do anything. And FGCU style of just five out can be so dangerous in the postseason. So we will move to the next talking point. If either of you guys don't have any last thoughts on, on those two games, um, Damon, you got anything? All right, so we will move on to tonight's a big battle against Stanford. 9.30 start on ESPN. Um, I figure it's going to start later than that because, you know, the NCAA tournament, those TV timeouts, 
uh, someone joked on the media availability yesterday. I think it was Dave Preston saying you could you could eat a sandwich and a drink during those those three minute media timeouts. So that Maryland game may not start until ten. We'll see there. But uh, just talking about Stanford, obviously, it goes without saying the reigning national champions. What makes them so different, so elite, Ian? What do you think? Yeah, I think you know, kind of to start with your point about Delaware and FGCU. You know, their teams with you know, obviously they have some some incredible high-end talent, but they're maybe not the deepest teams. I think that, you know, one player realistically can't beat an entire team. And, and Stanford is kind of the opposite of that. They have so many players that they can come in, that they can rotate. If someone is is not, you know, is, if, if someone's having kind of a down game, they can ride the hot hand. You saw that against Maryland the first time with Hannah Jump just kind of, you know, going off from three. She's not, you know, she's not putting up 21 plus a night, but against Maryland, she did, right? And if it's not her it's one of the hulls, you know, if it's not one of the hulls, it's Cameron Brink, right? It, if it's not them, it's usually Haley Jones. So I think that what kind of Stanford just, they can throw so many different looks at you and their bench is just so deep. I mean, I think we were talking about it the other day, you know, the amount of players they used in, in the second round was 10 or 11. I mean, it was like the amount 10, of players. 10 in were, the first half. Right. You know, people, I mean, they were just able to bring in so many bodies off the bench. And not only does that help with, you know, kind of riding the hot hand. It also keeps players fresh. And if, you know, you're Maryland, you're running seven, maybe, you know, eight players off your bench, you know, you can get tired out. So I think not only does that help offensively for Stanford just to have a deep bench, they can ride the hot hand. It also helps with kind of, you know, not getting as tired throughout the game, throughout the 40 minutes. Right. And, and just go off what Ian said, Ian was completely right. You know, their depth is what stands out. But I also think their experience you know, when you've been there, you played in big time games. You know what you know what it takes in the games of this magnitude. Games of this magnitude, and not to mention, you have talented players like Haley Jones, Lexi Hall. That's just to name a few. When you can, you know, provide problems for teams in a, a variety of ways, it makes you that much difficult to beat. And when you're looking to advance an NCAA tournament, you want to be more versatile so that you're able to squeak out wins in multiple ways as possible. Well, we, we were talking about it yesterday, not only just the fact that they have, they have 10 players that are so deep, the offensive action that they run is is some of the more, you know, beautiful stuff you'll, you'll see in college basketball. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Yep. You know, and, and just kind of, that's the thing, right? They have so many people who can make shots, you know, it's, it's I mean, of course, you know, Delaware FGC were great teams, but you saw Dickie went, you know, for 30, 31, however many she put up, but then the rest of the team, like there wasn't just, there just wasn't that much help. FGCU Bell, you know, had double digits as well. Um, but, you know, there wasn't, you know, that second, third, fourth starter who could put up those big numbers like Stanford has, right? You know, I mean, they could have, they legitimately could send, you know, four, five, six, seven players to double digits, which is something that we saw earlier in the season with Maryland, right? I mean, each game was, you know, all five stars would have 10 points and one player off the bench would have 10 at least, you know? And so, the fact that Stanford, their their sets are so are so good that they can just kind of put one anywhere between like two, three, four to six players in double digits is pretty scary. It really is, and Damon, I know you're you're a huge film guy. What have you seen from Stanford? Kind of just watching them throughout the season. I mean, for me, it's the offensive cuts, the backdoor action that stands out. But I'm curious your thoughts here. Right. Um, from what I from what I've noticed on film, they run a lot of motion, a lot a lot of floppy. Um, they run a lot of floppy, a lot of five out. Um, they run they were they were one four in at times. They're really versatile. I would say 
they're, they're very good at screening. Like screen, they do an outstanding job of setting screens for one another, getting one, getting getting each other one another open, and making the right play for one another. They do a great job of moving the basketball, and they're just a triple threat to you know impact the floor at any given moment. I feel like you know as from a film perspective, they have players that fit perfectly. Lexi Hall is able to mix and match around the perimeter. Haley Jones able to, you know, do her thing on the perimeter, but also crashing the boards. And I think Leslie Hall is just, you know, to establish why, you know, she's one of the best shooters in, in, in the country. And I think it'll be an interesting matchup to see, you know, her and Katie, you know, go head to head. And just, you know, can't can't disagree with anything you just said there. And it's not it's not only, you know, the action that they run. It's the players that they have, as we were talking about, Ian, like Haley Jones. I mean, you look at her stats, she's not someone who's averaging, you know, even 15 a game, but then you kind of watch her play and it's like, all right, like this is the, this was the final four's most outstanding player last year. This is one of the best uh, guards in the country. How big of a task do you think, you know, she'll be to, to stop on the defensive end of your own? Yeah, obviously, she, you know, she's huge. It's one of those players that you look at and like you're saying, maybe the stats don't, you know, you know, it's not like 20 and 10 plus at night. Right. But I mean, she just does so many things really well. She's a great rebounder. She's a great passer of the ball. You know, she has sneaky, good handles. She can shoot. And so, you know, we talked about this the other day too, is like, who do you put on her? You know, who is the best matchup who can, you know, kind of neutralize her. Cause if, if you're trying to send help, obviously, you know, you try to help on brink in, in the post, but it's, Stanford is a, is a tall team. I mean, you know, of their starting five, Anna Wilson is the shortest player, five, nine. And so, you know, they present a lot of mismatches on the defensive end. And it's, it's hard because it's, you can't really match them one for one, but you can do a lot to kind of slow them down. And, you know, one of the things that we were talking about the other day is kind of, can you put a player like Diamond Miller on Haley Jones, who is, you know, two players who have kind of similar skill sets, both really athletic, really high basketball IQs. Um, you know, Diamond is great on perimeter and she's great inside too and can kind of match the height of Haley Jones. Um, but I, I think the biggest thing with that is, you know, you can try to take away her scoring touch, but she's going to find players, right? Her, she's, she's a great pass to the ball. She can move the ball. And, you know, I think another thing that I want to talk about about Stanford is not only the players, the coaching staff. I mean, Vanderveer is an excellent kind of scouter of the game and if she has I mean she's had a week to prep for this game right you know and so just being able to break down Maryland on film you know it's not like they've just met you know Stanford and you know they've had Vanderbilt's had like a day or two to prep I mean she's had almost a week to prep and kind of really break down what this Maryland team does well and so not only do the players present an immense challenge the fact that Vanderbilt's on the other side coaching them and running their players through you know, kind of game planning, how to neutralize Maryland is also a really big hurdle to get over. Absolutely. I'll, I'll touch on both those points before I get to, to, you know, one more kind of looming matchup tonight. The thing with, with Haley Jones, I think, I think you're definitely spot on Ian about, you know, Diamond kind of taking the crack at her, maybe Cheyenne Sellers, who, you know, Brenda said has become their best defensive player going from their worst defensive player at the start of the season to now her best. It's, it's really just a crazy development there with her, but Haley Jones, I mean, we talked about, Ashley Wusu and Diamond Miller on, on that America team. Haley Jones is on that team too. They're all juniors. So Wusu Miller, both are really familiar with the game of Jones, obviously a lot easier to stop, uh, easier said than done, but someone that, you know, both players 
played basketball with it and a circuit outside of college and are kind of familiar with her game. So maybe that helps Friday night. Maybe it doesn't, who knows, or tonight, excuse me, because obviously, you know, Don Miller didn't play that first time around. And back to your point about uh, Tara Vanderveer, to me, I mean, obviously she's, she's a legendary coach, national champion for a reason. You can look at the flip side of that and it's all right. If you give Brenda Freeze a week to prepare for a Stanford team, when her team is playing the best basketball of the season, it's like, all right, we may need to take a step back here. I think it's going to be two just absolute mastermind offensive and defensive game plans kind of coming head on and just we're going to see a special basketball game tonight, I think. So we will move to one last individual matchup here before we kind of get into some talking points from yesterday's media. Cameron Brink, uh, sophomore big, six foot four. She can hurt you in a variety of different ways. Back to the basket from three-point range. We talked about it the other day on Spaces uh, on Twitter with, with Varun over at the Diamondback. Obviously, he does some great work. But Ian, what do you think is kind of the key to not allowing her to hurt you? She's kind of like a unicorn in the sense where she's the longest and biggest player that Maryland has played all season, or in, in a big game at least. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, and that was one of the talking points that came up the other day is, you know, 6-4, that's a really tough matchup, you know. And oh, yeah. Angel Reese is, you know, at 6-3 is, is kind of maybe on paper the best matchup that you have to, to throw at Brank to neutralize her. Um, it was funny on Space the other day that what – there one of the listeners who was coming on a guy named Kenny was talking about how like it's, he's not too worried about the matchup and he thinks that, you know, Angel will be able to lock Brink down. And while I think initially that's kind of who you start the game on. One of the points I brought up the other day is that I worry about foul trouble and, you know, in games this season where Angel has been, you know, has picked up some early fouls, Maryland's offense is really stalled and other teams have really been able to kind of get the advantage on the, on the offensive boards, um, but, you know, and again, like if you're kicking it into Brink, you know, and she's getting, you know, a double team, triple team even, and she can kick it out. Stanford has really great three point shooting. Um, so obviously not only her height, but just her basketball, you know, intelligence of being able to, you know, discern when to kind of, okay, when am I going to post that? When am I going to go back to the basketball or, you know, I'm going to kick it out. Like, let me find the open shooter and Stanford. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, they're one of the best teams in the country for a reason. And then that's, they've used that to, you know, blow past a lot of really good teams this season. Yeah. I think the point you bring about, uh, bring up about Angel Reese and foul trouble is just absolutely massive. I mean, she, she only played 15 minutes against Stanford in, in the Bahamas early in the season, obviously it's the different Maryland roster, but she couldn't stay on the floor and Cam Brink wasn't playing for Stanford. But I think the flip side of that is kind of the maturity aspect of Angel, something that's been pretty well documented this season. She has grown a lot here in her sophomore year. You know, her freshman year was interrupted by those injuries. COVID, it wasn't really a true freshman year. So she's grown a lot, um, and she realizes she has to stay out of foul trouble, so I think she'll be smart. I think another player you do have to keep an eye on when it comes to, you know, guarding Cameron Brink, you need a good defensive adding for Mimi Collins. You, you know you know how well she can defend um, when she is playing you know, at that level, but there are times where, you know, she's been hurt dealing with whether it's the groin or the toe injury, and she kind of looks a little bit flat-footed by default, but hopefully, you know, this break, kind of the week off in between games kind of get, gets her in the right mindset, able to become the defensive player that we know she all is against a, a big matchup and, and Cameron Brink. What do you think about that, Ian? Yeah, yeah, so I, I love the Mimi Collins pick as, as kind of, and that kind of segues into the X-Factor pick, right, of you know, who's a player that you look at 
last season, you know, she was going off for double digits, was just kind of looking like a player who was essential to the rotation, was a starter <clears throat> during that COVID year. And then this season just, you know, I mean, we, we watched a, a good amount of their games and there were times we turned to each other and say, you know, is, is something off? You know what? It, it just looked like she wasn't as, you know, she wasn't 100% as she was last season. And, you know, we found out that she's dealing with a groin injury and, you know, she's kind of been dealing with some nagging, nagging injuries that have kind of slowed down her game this season. But I definitely think that, you know, if you get a, you get a week again, like Brenda freeze is going to, she's going to scout the Stanford, right. They, they played earlier in the season. The teams are familiar with each other. And, you know, I think that she'll have, she'll, they'll really lean on Mimi to have a really strong defensive outing um, to try to help on that end. Cause you know, if, if you're feeding it to Brinkin inside, she's going to meet angel. She's going to meet Mimi. And so if, you know, if Mimi can kind of just be a pest down there, if she can get, you know, her hands in, in Brink's face, like really frustrate her, force her into some turnovers, maybe pick up a couple fouls on, on Brink. Like, I think that'd be a really successful way to kind of, to, to neutralize Brink. Absolutely. And, and Damon, what do you, what do you kind of think about that? I think with, with camp, with Cameron Brink, they're going to have to, Maryland has done a, a they've been inconsistent at times with closing out and making sure not to foul their shooters. They're going to make sure they close out really well on all their shooters to not give up three free throws throughout this game. It's going to be it's going to be pertinent that they don't allow a lot of fouls. I mean, that they don't commit a lot of fouls. They don't, you know, they close out well and they make sure that they're able to rebound. I believe when Maryland is able to rebound and control the glass, they're really difficult to deal with. And I believe Angel Reese is going to have to win that matchup versus Cameron Brink because at this point in time, we saw that what happened last time when Angel Reese gets in foul trouble, it's hard for her to stay on the floor and hard for her to make an impact because she's so worried about committing her next foul. When you're able to, you know, play the game freely and she's able to play with the passion that she's played with these past two games versus Delaware and FGCU, she showed that she can dominate at any given moment. So I believe her closing out is going to be pertinent to, you know, making sure that, you know, she stays out of foul trouble and make sure she stays on the floor to give her team a needed boost. 100%. Um... Definitely some great analysis on the matchups there. It'll be interesting to see what, what Brenda Freeze does tonight. Maybe she throws some some zone or some some crazy thing at Stanford that we couldn't even think happened, but uh, who knows. So we'll move on to kind of some talking points from yesterday's media availabilities from both coaches. Uh, we're going to start with Tar Vanderveer at Stanford. Asked, you know, what the style of the game would be. She kind of didn't shy away from it being, you know, high-octane, up-tempo game. Here's their full quote. She says, I like our team running too, and I like open court basketball. I think that's where we're at with the women's basketball game. The more we can play open court, really show the ballet of basketball, the moving, cutting, not have it be a wrestling match, not have it be so physical that you're fouling all the time. People want to watch. They don't want to watch rugby on a 94 and 50 square wooden floor. I think both our teams play really exciting and really open basketball. It's going to be who does it better on that day. So Stanford, I mean – we talked about how good they are on the offensive end. On the defensive end, they're pretty good too. Top 35 defense. They only give up 56 and a half points per game, but they also score 74 and a half points per game. Maryland scores closer to 80 at 79.2 points per game. Top six offense in the nation. With this game being, you know, more of an up-tempo type game as, as Coach Vanderveer uh, alluded to yesterday, do you think that's something that could help Maryland tonight? Yeah. I, I mean, I guess – but before getting into how it'll help, maybe just a one caveat I say again is like the depth. If if you're 
if you're running a really fast offense, that's a great way to tie yourselves out. And so, you know, if you don't have maybe as deep a bench, that's something where, you know, late in the third, fourth quarter, you know, maybe Stanford has a bit of an edge. But I think that, you know, one of the things that strikes me about this Maryland team is that, you know, last season through the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament, the offense was clicking. They were shooting the ball well. They were moving it, you know, at, at really high speeds and, and playing just at a really high level. And then they run into Texas in the Sweet 16 and, you know, the wheels kind of fall off there with, with Texas just kind of packing the paint and, and just having a really good game against Maryland. So I think that while Maryland definitely an open court really helps Maryland's offense thrive and, you know, they, they can get a lot of looks. I think that my only worry is that Stanford is like, I don't know how much of an advantage it is to Maryland, especially because Stanford is also really skilled when running the open court and they're a little bit deeper. So they can bring in some players to kind of help with any fatigue that players might be experiencing. If you're just going up and down the full 94 of the court. 100%. David? I would say, you know, Maryland, Maryland's bench is going to be really pertinent in this game because, like you said, they're not, they're not as deep as when they came into the season. So it's going to be important that whoever comes off the bench is able to produce and able to give them a spark that they will need because, you know, as, as you alluded to before, you know, Stanford goes 10 deep and they will, they will, they will clear the bench and get as much depth and get as much, you know, versatility on the floor as possible. Maryland's going to need outstanding production from the bench in order to win this game because at this point, Stanford's going to try to tire you out. They're going to try to throw little wrinkles at you to tire out, try to frustrate you, and try to fatigue you. So I believe, you know, Maryland must find a way to get some production from the bench if they're looking to, you know, advance to lead eight on Sunday. I agree, and that, that kind of leads me to what I was going to say about, you know, what, what head coach Brenda Free said yesterday. I think just one thing about uh, Tara Vanderveer's point about the tempo, I think it is something that will help Maryland as long as it stays out of foul trouble, which is a lot easier said than done with the depth you're dealing with. But kind of uh, someone asked Brenda Freeze yesterday in the NCAA press conference um, how Stanford is a much different team. What have you seen from them that's different? She goes, first of all, they have 10 starters. Anyone on their team would be starting at any other program. They're really deep, tremendous length. I mean, obviously, they're top 25 scoring, top 15 in rebounding, top five in blocks. They do so many things well. But the most important thing, they put the ball in the basket. Every single player is an option to be able to score on the, quote, on the court. Excuse me. And quote. How difficult does that make Stanford to guard? The fact that they have 10 starters, we talked about it a little bit earlier in this episode about, you know, kind of their depth. But Maryland's not going to be able to match that depth. Maryland's going to be three players short of Stanford's depth. So you Obviously, Maryland's conditioning should be in tip-top shape considering the season and how everything's gone, 100% healthy. But the fact that Stanford does have 10 starters that can hurt you, how, how difficult is that to guard? Yeah, insanely. Um, you know, again, like there are some teams that, you know, maybe you have a player who's maybe not the best three-point shooter, you know, a player who has a penchant for picking up fouls. But, you know, Stanford has very few weaknesses on their team and, I mean, they won the national championship last season for a reason. Um, and so I think that that's going back to the brink point. Like it's one of the ways to neutralize her is maybe throw some doubles at her inside, but that's, you know, you have to kind of pick your, pick your moments with that. Cause she can just kick it out. They'll find an open shooter. You know, it's not like you can 
you know, it's not like they have, you know, one member of, of their team who the offense just kind of stalls when that player gets the ball. You know, it's, it's not like they have players with really limited skill sets. A lot of players can do a lot of things really well. And so I think that it's, you know, you kind of have to be almost perfect if you're Maryland from a shooting perspective, from not turning the ball over, from finding your open shots, not, you know, kind of dribbling into trouble against Stanford because you know that they're going to bring it and you know that players one through 10, all of whom, you know, can, you know, put the ball in the basket. And that's a really difficult type of team to play against, especially if you're not making your own shots. So, you know, Maryland on, on both sides of the ball kind of needs that near perfection. And, and I think that Brenda's really drilled that into them this week of kind of, look, we can't afford to make some mistakes maybe that we made in the earlier rounds or earlier in the season, you know, that we were able to kind of, they were able to make up for cause, cause they're Maryland and they, and they have such a good team. But against the Stanford team, you, you kind of have to have that high level of a bar to reach to, to have a good game. Right, and I agree. You know, I agree with everything you said, Ian. And I believe, you know, Maryland's going to have to find a way to just play their game. You can't worry about the length or the, the you know, the deep bench of Stanford. You're going you to have to play your game and be efficient when you're on the floor. So I think, like, you know, contributions from Cheyenne Sellers off the bench, Mimi Collins, is going to be extremely important in this game because – you're going to need something to counter, you know, to counteract their, you know, their length and their versatility. So you're going to need great production from them in order to, you know, keep the momentum going, provide a nice spark off the bench and provide nice breathers for some of the starters that are already in. So I think for the, for the bench, for them to come off the bench and able to provide a spark and contribute, whether it's rebounding, passing the ball or defending, they're going to, they're going to need to do that at a high level in order to just keep the energy going and to keep the pace going because, my assumption is that Stanford will try to use their their um their deep bench to in order to you know tire Maryland out in order to you know make them basically tap out and you know basically you know earn the victory. But if when Maryland's able to use high screening roles with Ashley Obusu and Angel Reese, or even even a high screening role with Chloe Bibby, because Chloe Bibby can show that she's a three level scorer as well. So I believe if you're able to incorporate more high screening roles with maybe Ashley Obusu, Diamond Miller, and Chloe Bibby you're able to get more of a punch. Therefore, you're able to draw out um, Cameron Brink from, from the lane, and therefore you allow Angel Reese to do more work. You allow Ashley Owusu or, or other people on the on the perimeter to make to be more effective on the outside. And I believe if Maryland's able to be more effective on the outside with their pick and pops and knocking down their perimeter shots, they can have their way with Stanford tonight. Yeah, it'll, it'll definitely be a fascinating game in that aspect. I think the thing that stands out to me is Maryland only has, you know, nine healthy players and seven of them are in the rotation. Maryland uses a scout team on practice filled with former, you know, men, high school varsity basketball players. Stanford doesn't, doesn't need that. They have, they have 10 players who will play no matter what in, in likely in the first 20 minutes of the game, which is just, it's such a different type of attack that Maryland, you know, you're not going to see it with every team in, in women's college basketball. You're just not, you're not going to see that depth at that talented of a level like Stanford has. And I think, I think that's something that gives them a, a big advantage, but I think on the flip side of it, you know, obviously if Maryland stays out of foul trouble, if they can get Stanford in foul trouble, if you get a couple quick fouls on, on Cameron Brink down low, that could really change how the game looks, but it, it'll be interesting. I think the depth is definitely a huge, huge narrative going to tonight's game being that, Stanford has unlimited in a sense and Maryland is, you know, one person gets into foul trouble in the first half and it could be something that hurts you. 
So we will move on a couple more points before we uh, wrap up here talking about X factors, right? Obviously that's, that's a lot of people's favorite thing to do before uh, each game and Maryland, you know, they're going to need an X factor tonight if they're going to knock off the national champions. Uh, Ian, who do you think, or what do you think could be the X factor for Maryland tonight's game? Yeah. Um, for the who I'll go shy sellers. Um, you, in, in the piece that you wrote, which, which was super cool for those. Thank you. Thank if you have a chance, go check it out. Um, <clears throat> you know, the fact that she's gone from <laughs> the worst defender to the best defender in the words of Brenda freeze, you know, you saw it against Iowa early in the game when she was guarding Caitlin Clark. I mean, shy sellers has, she has the frame. She has the athleticism. She has the basketball IQ. She has, she has the basketball know-how to lock down other players and she can, she can hang with players. So, you know, we talked about Mimi and, and Angel being instrumental to locking down Brink inside. I think shy is going to be really vital to kind of locking down the perimeter, making sure that, you know, if there are any looks inside, she's taken those away. Um, and, you know, if she's another player where, you know, obviously Katie Benson coming in at five, six, you're good. You're going to play Katie Benson. Cause she's Katie Benson. She's, she's an excellent player, but in minutes when she's not on the court, you know, you can bring shy sellers in to up the height of the overall team defensively and shy sellers. A lot of times this season has gotten reps running the offense, um, you know, kind of in the third quarter, late in games and just calling out sets, being able to identify, you know, what de- what opposition defenses are throwing at Maryland how to circumvent that, how to kind of call out the best sets and find open teammates. So I think that, you know, and that's what Katie's been asked to do a lot this season is running the point. And so when she's off the floor, you have, you don't have a significant drop off in shy running the point and maybe defensively you get a little bit more. So for me, it's shy sellers, both defensively and also just, just running the point, running the offense um, and being able to make some big plays. Cause she's, you know, when she brings it, that team is, you know, Maryland really plays well. And, and of course you have like all the normal, like, you know, diamond has to play well, Ashley has to play well, Angel has to play well, but you know, those are kind of your, your classic, you know, kind of the easy pick. So I'm going to go shy sellers for, for my X factor. Yeah. For my, X factor, for my X factor, I'm going to go with um, Chloe Bibby. I believe Chloe Bibby is an outstanding shooter and she's a great screener. And I believe that she's also outstanding with coming off screens and setting her feet off the screener and rising up and letting her jump shot fly, which nine times out of 10 will go inside the bucket. I believe Chloe Bibby is able to set great screens and her ability to pick and pop is so underrated. And it gives Angel so much space in the paint to operate down low. And I believe when, when also when Chloe is able to catch the ball at the high post and find Angel diving down deep down in the post, it also creates a dynamic for offenses to pick your poison because if you converge, you're going to leave Katie Benson wide open, which is everybody knows she's a, a great shooter from the perimeter. And Diamond Miller's had a, got, it, got it going the past two games and along with Ashley Owusu. So it's like pick your poison. But I believe when Chloe Bibby is able to, you know, play pick and pop, make plays from the high post, finding angel, finding perimeter shooters, Maryland is just really difficult to beat. And I believe, you know, if she's able to get it going tonight, you know, it bodes well for Maryland's chances to, you know, to pull off the upset. I love both of those picks. I'm happy I have a third different one. So the listeners can kind of hear three different uh, opinions here. For me, I think it's, it's Mimi Collins. We talked about the depth. The depth of this Maryland team is, is just not going to match the depth from Stanford. You're going to be on your A game, as Shine Sellers kind of referenced in media yesterday. 
you're going to need everyone to, to, to come in and bring their individual A game. And I think BB Collins is, is one of those big pieces. Uh, you look at what she did in, in the first two games against Delaware and FGCU in the tournament, pretty solid against Delaware, six points, 27 minutes of action, three for six from the field and seven boards um, against FGCU. Um, only four points, two of five shooting, um, three rebounds wasn't great, but I think she definitely improved as that game kind of kind of went on on the defensive end. I think you're going to need big contributions from her. You know what you're going to get on offense. I'm expecting a couple, you know, those signature mid-range jumpers as we see from Mimi Collins. But I think something that, you know, Mimi's reputation early in the season and last season was that she's like first quarter Mimi. She She's the reason why Maryland gets off to these fast starts sometimes. And obviously she's not starting anymore. Angel is. But I think she is a player that if she comes into the game and she brings that energy and brings a spark and kind of comes off the bench and contributes right away, she's someone that can change the tide of the game, not on the offensive end, on the defensive end. She needs to be quick on her feet, kind of be ready to, to body up Cam Brink. We know she won't be uh, afraid to do that. So I'm going to go with Mimi Collins here. So we got Ian, Cheyenne Sellers, Damon, Chloe Bibby, and me, uh, Mimi Collins. I think for me, those, those are definitely the top three X factors. Um, if, if, if any of you guys uh, have any disagreement there, I'd love to hear it, But All right. So we will move on to what I guess everyone's been waiting for. This is not my strong suit, but we will do some game predictions. Um, first, uh, let's, let's bring you the odds brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. Maryland is a seven-point underdog in tonight's game. Uh, the over-under of 143 points. Um, score predictions, uh, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, you know, I, I abstained from making a prediction on on the spaces the other day with Faroon, but I, I guess we have to today. You know, I, I think I'm going to take Stanford for a couple of reasons, and a lot of which we've outlined today. <clears throat> just, I think, I think their depth and offense and just, the amount of the amount of different looks they can throw at you is, is going to pose a lot of problems with Maryland. And, um, you know, I think that Maryland, again, like I said, has to be perfect and I think they'll get close, but I, I, I'm not sure that they can do it. So I think for final score, I'll go maybe like 72 to 66 Stanford. Um, and another reason I'm making this pick is because I'm trying to send an anti-jinx out in the universe. So, um, <laughs> You know, but but I, I do think it'll it'll be a great game and, and I'm looking forward to how it plays out. Stanford, what do you got? Stanford's the national defending champions. They have Haley Jones, Cameron Brink, Lexi Hall. They have a great coach. But I'm going with the Terps in an upset. I believe big time players make big time plays in big time games, and I think Angel Reese. Diamond Miller, Ashley Owusu, and Katie Benz will come to play today, and they will right their wrong for their November loss to Stanford in the Bahamas. And I believe they will ride this out to a victory of 83 to 80. Um, I got I had Maryland winning for three reasons. I think this team has, you know, been surrounded by so much adversity all season from Coach Freeze, you know, unfortunately losing her father illnesses and dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic with some players being in and out of the lineup, injuries, that's just to name a few. I think Maryland, Maryland's adversity has prepared them for this moment. 
I believe last year's, you know, loss to Texas has, you know, motivated them and also in, inspired them to put, you know, put a better performance on paper. I mean, put a, a better performance on film this time around. And I just think that, you know, they're going to rise to the occasion. I think they're going to pull the upset and I think the Turks will still dance, will keep dancing and dance until Sunday and, and remain in Spokane. All right, so we got Ian with a Stanford six-point win. Uh, Damon, how much did you have Maryland winning by? About three points, 83-80. 83-80. For me, I'm also on on the Ian wave where I I don't want to make a final pick yet. It's only 11.40 a.m. right now. We got about, you know, 10 hours to to, to make a pick. But, um, you know, on this podcast, obviously the people are going to be listening. They need a pick. I'm going to go – Stanford by a possession. I think Stanford 76, Maryland 73. I think it will be high scoring as uh, Tara Vanderveer alluded to yesterday. And, you know, Maryland obviously loves to get out and run. The reason for me picking Stanford is, you know, the national championship pedigree that they have. And I think for Maryland, it's, it, you almost, you might have to play a perfect game. You, everything might have to go right to kind of, you know, get, get that win. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not the guy to go out of my way and, and, and make, make some, some pick where it's completely, you know, against what, what my brain is thinking. Um, I think Maryland has a legitimate shot. I think the seven point spread is asinine. I think Maryland has just as much talent as Stanford does to keep it close I just think Stanford's depth, I think someone will inevitably get into foul trouble and it could hurt Maryland. So I like Stanford by a few points, but I think I think it'll be a great game. Um, so we got Ian, Stanford by six, me, Stanford by three, and Damon, Maryland by three. Uh, before we close off here, um, any parting thoughts uh, for the listeners just about tonight's game and the season? Yeah, I, I think maybe just, you know, if there's anyone out there looking at you know, kind of previous matchups or looking at stuff on paper, I, I would completely throw out the, the game earlier in the season when they met at the Bahamas. And I think that's something really important to touch on. Like, yes, you know, Stanford won by 18, you know, yes, they looked much more dominant. Yes. Maryland didn't play very well, but you know, multiple players weren't traveling with the team, you know, diamond was still out and Maryland essentially ran a bench of six players against, like we've said multiple times on this pod, one of the deepest teams in the country. So if, if you're just kind of looking at that game, if you were to look at it without any context, I mean, you'd, you'd be, you know, I wouldn't blame you for picking Stanford in this game, but there is a lot of context to that game. And I think it's important to remember that when looking at tonight and, and, you know, it's, it's not, it, I'm confident in saying it'll be a much more competitive game this time around. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited for, for a great game. I, I hope the season doesn't end tonight. Um, I would just say, you know, Maryland's prepared for this moment. Um, Coach alluded to it, alluded to it um, at the media. Coach Freeze mentioned that, you know, they they orchestrated this, they compiled this schedule of tough ranked opponents, and they play in arguably the toughest conference in the country, which is the Big Ten, and that has prepared them for this moment. So I believe that, you know, all the teams that they have played have prepared them for this moment, whether it's playing big, whether it's playing small, whether it's using speed, whether it's using size. I believe, you know, Maryland has been well prepared for this moment and it's just about executing and just being better than being better than Stanford this evening. And hopefully 
riding out to a victory. I believe Maryland must continue to be, you know, be disciplined on, on the offensive end and also must continue to value the basketball in order to win this game. Maryland cannot turn the ball over at a high clip and expect to win this game. They must value the ball and not allow Stanford's offense, to, you know, to take control of this game. I think valid points made by both of you. Um, I think the one thing I would say to fans is kind of similar to what Ian said at the beginning. The, the, the game in November has zero correlation between this one and the last one. I think this one's going to be so much more competitive. Um, I actually think it, this could be the game of the tournament so far on either the men's or the women's side. I think these are two teams that were, you know, reseeded as one and two uh, overall in the athletic. Uh, Chantel Jennings, obviously a great rider over there. And I don't, I don't think it's that far off. I think probably South Carolina's uh, <laughs> above or in between the two. But these, I think these are two championship-level teams that we're seeing, regardless of what happened with Maryland in the regular season, the adversity, everything else. You can throw it all away. It's one game, power versus power, talent versus talent, style versus style. Um, I just think – if you're listening to this, you just got to enjoy what will be an amazing basketball game, high level on, in both style and talent. Like I mentioned, um, I, I think it's going to be an outstanding game. And I think just, you know, enjoy the moments and, and, and don't overreact if, if, if you're listening to this podcast. Because I think I think either way, both teams have had great seasons. Maryland fighting through adversity. If, if, if they are to win this game tonight, um, it will be an incredible um you know, message for, for what they've been through and what they still can accomplish moving forward. Um, so that'll do it uh, for us here on the Testudo Times Podcast Network, special edition of the Sweet 16 preview for Maryland women's basketball. Hopefully we can hop on and, and do another one, another one of these soon if the, uh, if the season's still going or maybe a recap episode, who knows. But thank you all for listening. I'm Ben Dixon alongside Ian Decker and Damon Brooks Jr. Make sure to follow all of us on Twitter. Um, I'm at Ben Dixon underscore underscore Ian Decker, I think is at Ian Decker 111. Is that correct? And Damon, are you just at Damon Brooks Jr. on Twitter? Correct. Yes, I am. All right. So make sure to be following us for tonight. We'll have all the updates, all the coverage, all the stories you need. Um, Signing off on the Testudo Times Podcast Network, I'm Ben Dixon. We'll see you soon.